So today we come to the phrases, we're going to try to do two. In a perfect world, we try to do three, but that's ridiculous. Some days we just do a word. <laughs> uh, but we're actually going to try to do two phrases um, in the creed. Uh, ascended into heaven sits at the right hand of the Father Almighty. Uh, God the Father Almighty. In a perfect world we do, from thence he shall come to judge the living and the dead. Um, but I think that last phrase, even though in some ways those three go together, um, there's just no way. I think, we, I think we have to give that last phrase its own due next week. Um, so we'll try to do these first two. Um, ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. Um, the first thing to try to get just a tiny bit clearer, of course, who can get clear about heaven? But before we talk about ascended to heaven, we have to just say a little bit about heaven. We'll have to say more later. We said a little bit last week. Um, and I think what we want to be able to say is in, in Scripture and in the Christian tradition, um, heaven is is the realm of God. It's the, it's the dim dimension of God. And um, it's important to realize that we don't have access to every dimension. I was thinking this week, um, there's, no, there's no really good analogy to this, um, but I was thinking this week about um, the sort of astonishing thing, you know, some of the creeds, like the, the Nicene Creed talks about, when it talks about the creation of the world, it talks about all things visible and invisible. That's another way of saying it, right? There's aspects of human life, and this is a big word, some that are visible and some that are invisible. Um, and I was thinking just about the physics of seeing this week. And a lot of you, some of you in here are, are more science people than I am, but um, most of you know, and it's hard to remember this um, because my life is what it is, your life is what it is, but most of you know that what we see as far as light is a tiny, tiny fraction of, you know, light is electromagnetic waves, right? But there's lots of kinds of electromagnetic waves, most of which we don't see. Our eyes are capable of seeing. You know this, right? No, you don't know this. Yes, you do know this, right? Like, like there are X-rays. That's electromagnetic light. You can't, your eyes can't see that. Um, there are microwaves. Some of you have one of those, right? Um, you're like, how would I eat without that? Um, your, your eyes can't, don't register that. Uh, we see less than, I mean, it's hard to know, um, but way, way, I mean, in theory, electromagnetic waves are infinite in, infinite in both directions. Um, but just just give you an idea, less than a third of 1% of electromagnetic, electromagnetic waves can your eye process, okay? So there's all kinds of light and energy 
that makes seeing possible, but the, the visible spectrum of that is tiny, 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 tiny. Okay. Um, and I just remind, I just say that to remind ourselves that the world is full of stuff that is invisible to us. It doesn't register, which doesn't mean it's not there, right? We're surrounded by all kinds of uh, electromagnetic waves, but most of it we're not even aware of. So just in the very basic physics of the Earth, we live in a world that is quite literally visible and invisible to us. But it still has an effect on us, right? Your life is affected by x-rays and magnetic rays and microwaves and all the kinds of ultraviolet rays that you get and can't see. Your doctor tells you to put on sunscreen. Like, well, why? Because that, those waves that are damaging, you can't even see. Okay. So to be reminded when we step into this world of scripture that you're thinking, well, it seems so weird to think about the invisible because most of what you and I care about is the visible. But the biblical worldview has this notion of heaven, heaven and earth. And heaven and earth in the biblical worldview aren't, aren't nearly as much about two separate locations as they are two different dimensions, uh, kind of an inside and outside if you want. It's, again, there's no really good metaphor for it. Um, but to, you can get at it by thinking that God's, God's desire all along was that, and that, that these two worlds, what we'll call uh, Earth, heaven and Earth, and Earth we don't just mean the Earth like a planet, you know, one among several in our solar system. The Earth means everything, the whole created cosmos. But it also intersects with this other dimension called, called heaven. And you see this even, and I always hate to talk about the Old Testament because Jason's here and it makes me nervous. Uh, so don't look at Jason because if you cringe, then you'll cringe and that'll make me cringe. But, but one, of the, one of the central reasons that the temple was so important to Israel because they thought of the temple as this place where heaven and earth intersected. Okay? Heaven and earth intersected there. And so that's why it was such an important place. Um, and for most of us, we don't, we'll come back to this at the end, most of us don't, in the Christian life, don't necessarily think there are some spaces that are more holy, that are more intersected with God and the rest of the created cosmos than others. But people have thought that, and Israel thought that, right? And so, and there are actually some Christians who think that too. Um, in some Christian traditions, for example, the Eastern Orthodox particularly, uh, they think of the, the Eucharist as that moment of the intersection of heaven and earth that somehow we catch a glimpse in that moment in the Eucharist where God's presence, 
are we talking is 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 manifest in a way that's extraordinary. So it's just important to say that, to try to get our heads around that, you know, when we talk about heaven and earth, we're not talking about this planet, and as we said last week, some other location, you know, out beyond, you know, Alpha Centauri, you know. Um, we're talking about something that is impossible for, just like it's impossible for, for me to imagine what it would be like to see x-rays and microwaves and ultraviolet waves. I mean, I don't know what it would mean to see that. I don't know how the world would look differently if I could see that. I mean, if I, could, if I knew that, then I would be able to see that. But I can't. I can just imagine that there's a lot more going on than what I can see. And that's part of what's trying to be communicated here. That Jesus, when it talks about Jesus ascended to heaven, that Jesus has entered fully into this realm of God. Now, we should be reminded that we, we pray about this all the time. I think we don't recognize it. Um, if you were in an early service today, where we celebrated the Eucharist, uh, you likely said the Lord's Prayer. Yes? yes? And there we are praying, right? <clears throat> your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So that the distinction between heaven and earth is not, first of all, geographical, the realm of God is the realm where God's will is already done and always has been done perfectly. The earthly realm, the created cosmos, is the place where God's will is not yet fully done. And so the great vision at the end of Revelation, of course, is that there's a new heaven and a new earth. Right? A new heaven and a new earth. That God dwells with us. This is the vision in Revelation 21. And that God, God dwells, a new Jerusalem, it says, comes from heaven, from God's realm. A new heaven and a new earth. And so this is really hard to understand, okay, um, for sure. But I just want to make space because if we, if we don't, if we think of heaven, if the only way we can think of heaven is as the place a person goes where they die, that's their eternal destination. And we've actually, I know it's really hard to say this, particularly if I'm not going to clean it up for another three weeks, but why would you come back if I didn't? Um, <laughs> that's not the primary way in which the Bible talks about heaven. Okay? Now, I'm not saying it's wrong. I'm just saying that's not the primary way that it talks about that. So we're just trying to be clear about when we're affirming, right? The creed is this affirmation about who we believe God to be. To say that Jesus ascended to heaven, right? We have to understand what, what's being affirmed there. And what's being affirmed there is something different than what you and I think of when we use that word. And we'll have to come back to that. But I'm just trying to create the space because if we don't try to make space, then, then we're thinking that Jesus ascended to something that's not 
what it's trying to affirm. Jesus has entered the realm of God, right? And why does that matter? Well, it matters for several reasons. Um, Jesus says in John 14, 12, Gospel of John 14, 12, he says an extraordinary thing. Um, I should read it because if I just say it out loud, you'd think he's making it up. Of course, I guess you could think I was making it up if I was reading it too. But if you, if you want to look, it's in John 14, 12. This is when Jesus is talking to his disciples before he leaves. He says, very truly, I tell you, the one who trusts in me will also do the works that I do, and in fact will do greater works than these, because I am going to the Father. Do you believe that? That we will do greater works than Jesus did? I'm not sure I wake up every morning and think this is what we're called to. I mean, most of us think, that's crazy. But he says the reason is because I'm going to the Father. What's that got to do with it? Well, right here, right? When Jesus ascends, when Jesus ascends into the realm of God, and the extraordinary part here is that he, he takes his humanity with him. <clears throat> Right? I think this is an important part about the Ascension story. We're going to read it here directly. It's in the first chapter of Acts. Luke gives the longest and most developed account of the Ascension. Remember, Luke wrote the book of Acts. It's sort of part two. Okay? So you can turn to chapter one if you want to, and you can hold that there. But Jesus takes his humanity with him. This is really important. The incarnation that we're celebrating here in Advent is not temporary. This is part of the incarnation that I think it's very hard to get our heads around. I mean, I think sometimes we think that um, the incarnation is about God, you know, sort of for 33 years just sort of, it's like you, you wear a suit, right? God, God puts on the, the humanity suit for 33 years, walks around it, and says, eh, it's not so bad. Um, but then just takes it off again and goes, goes back to heaven. That's not the good news. The good news is God desires to be in communion with humanity so much that God joins, and talk about the joining of heaven, God joins God's very being to Jesus Christ for eternity. So part of the good news of Jesus entering the realm of God called the Ascension is that humanity now has been caught up into fully the life of God. I mean, that's, that's astonishing. That's how God... And, and so when the book of Hebrews says that uh, Jesus is our great high priest and he intercedes for us, 
and that he knows what we're going through. It's not because he just tried out humanity for 33 years and he has a good memory. It's that, no, humanity is bound into the very life of God now. That's, that's part of the, that's good news. So on, on the days that we think, privately, because we know we probably shouldn't say this out loud, but we, it just doesn't keep us from thinking it. On the days we think, I don't know, I look around, I'm pretty sure God has just given up on all of us. And if, it, and if God hasn't, God probably should. The good news is that Jesus ascended to heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. Notice this is the first time in the second article of the Creed that we move to the present tense. Everything else was past tense, right? Jesus, right? Conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended to the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits. Present tense. Sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. Je Jesus is present. And remember, we've talked about this before, but you can't say it too often. The right hand of God the Father Almighty is not so much a place, is it's the it's the authority and the function of Jesus, right? Um, in the ancient world, to sit at the right hand of the sovereign was to be uh, the sort of viceroy, the sort of uh, the one who has been given the power to work the will of the sovereign. So, sort of what we call, excuse the gender uh, exclusive language, the, the right hand man, right, that we have. Jesus is God's right-hand man. And I mean man in the sense of human. He still bears his humanity. This is, this is an extraordinary claim. But this is, this is where Jesus is. And to take it back to the, the John 14, 12 passage, this is why Jesus said it would be good for us if Jesus went away. You can imagine being one of the disciples and you're thinking, Jesus says it's good if he goes away. What could possibly be good about that? Well, it was because prior to Jesus going, if you wanted to be in Jesus' presence, you had to go where he was physically present in the world. You had to go to Jerusalem if you wanted to talk to Jesus. You had to go to Galilee if you wanted to talk to Jesus. Uh, if you wanted to be uh, in the presence of Jesus, you know, you had to, to go to Samaria when he was traveling through there. But Jesus has entered the realm of God now. He's ascending to the realm of God, and so he, through the Holy Spirit, is present to us in a way that no longer has those boundaries, those limits. That's very good news. Um, I can't get to Jerusalem this afternoon, if that's where Jesus was. Um, I can't get to Galilee or Samaria. But the good news is that 
the Holy Spirit, Jesus has given us the Holy Spirit, and we'll have to come back to that in the third article of the Creed too and say a lot more. But the same Spirit that animated the life of Jesus and made it possible for Jesus to be faithful to the Father is the same Spirit that we've been given. That's very good news. Particularly, and, and, and Paul in, in 2 Corinthians says that that Spirit is working in our lives, changing us, transforming us from one degree of glory to another. One degree of glory to another. If you're like me, uh, most days, at my best, I long to be transformed, but I want it to be sort of instant. Um, I, I want to be transformed like 40 degrees at a time. Right? Um, but one degree of glory to another suggests probably um, that to us, it's, it's likely imperceptible. Right? It's likely imperceptible. But it doesn't mean it's not real transformation. I mean, even take the notion of a degree um, in the sort of uh, geometrical sense, right? Um, if I'm standing here looking straight out and I shift my body one degree, it doesn't make much difference here, but 500 miles out, that's a huge difference, right? I mean, it's imperceptible to you that I shifted one degree. But if you follow that line out, 500 miles, I'm 300 miles different place. So the Spirit is working in our lives, and the Spirit is at work in all of us. And the disciples come, are talking to Jesus here in Acts 1, and are saying, Jesus is resurrected. He's been with them. Um, for 40 days, teaching them. And, and, and one, of the, one of the questions they have is an obvious question. Jesus, is now the time? Like, is now the time? Are you going to finally, right, finally restore Israel to its rightful place? Right? Is, is now the time where the kingdom is really going to be restored? And that, that's a legitimate question. I mean, they, they thought Jesus was a failed messiah because he was crucified. And then God raises him from the dead. They didn't expect that. So something, something extraordinary is happening. And so it's, it's, very, it's very understandable that they would say, okay, we don't get this yet, but can we ask like, okay, given that you're back in a new way, um, we're seeing something new break out here, is like, is, is now the time? Um, is now the time that maybe the Roman oppression will be over? Is now the time that disease will be over? Is now the time that um, my relationship with that one person who lives next door to me, who drives me crazy every day, um, is, it, is it time for that to be over? Um, you know, is it time for that, that child of mine who I've, 
I've loved my whole life and poured my life into, and yet they're still wayward, and it breaks my heart every day. Um, is that going to be renewed? Is that, I mean, you're making all things, I mean, is now the time when all this is going to happen? And Jesus you know, says, it, it's, not, it's not for you to know when all this is going to come to fruition. He says, you know, only the, only the Father knows that. Um, but he, he promises them the Spirit. Right? Uh, twice in this passage, he promises them the Spirit that's, that is going to be at work, uh, especially on those days when we can't see it. Now we're back to that. Right? Um, I can't see it. Most days I feel hopelessly broken. Maybe you do too. But Jesus, the one through whom God has revealed who God is most, right, most definitively, sits, right, sits at the right hand of the Father, has been given authority, right, over everything. And so we, we have this hope, we have this confidence that God really will bring to completion the work that God has begun. That, that's really good news. And it's because Jesus has ascended. Jesus has left right, this dimension and entered into this other dimension, but this dimension still intersects with ours. And once you realize that, you know, what God wants is this full uh, melding of heaven and earth, and that's what you actually see in Revelation 21, such the distinction between heaven and earth is now really no longer even valid. Right? God is just living among us. He says, you will be my people, I will be your God. Um, that that is what we long for. And it gives it, once you realize that, um, go back to thinking about the, the temple as the place where heaven and earth intersected. And now, right, now think about what Paul says when Paul says that you all are the temple of the Spirit. Right? That somehow, and he says this twice, once, he, once he, he's saying it to individuals, once he's saying it to, to every the church, that somehow we are, we are the intersection. Right? God living in us. God living in us. And to the extent that, right, we, that God, to the extent that God's will is done in my life, in your life, in our life together, on earth as it is in heaven, then that intersection becomes manifest. That's part of our witness to the world, right? That heaven, if you will, God's dimension is becoming visible 
right? One way of saying it would be God's dimension. Heaven became visible in the person of Jesus Christ. In Jesus, we see that intersection most fully of heaven and earth. But we are called to be that by the Spirit. And Jesus has made that possible by ascending into God's realm, ascending into heaven, and sitting in glory with power and authority to bring about all that God desires. That's really good news, right? Um, particularly, again, on those days when it just, I, I'm more than aware that I am not yet what God would have me to be. And it's also good news on the days, if I could see this, when I'm painfully aware that you are not yet what God would have you be. Right? But the problem is, I don't typically grant you that grace the way I grant it to myself. Right? It's easy for me to say, I'm not yet what God would have me to be. You're just messed up. <laughs> right? But, but what, what if we had eyes to see? Now we're back to seeing. Right? Um, what if I had eyes to see that you also are not yet what God is going to make you to be. What if I had the what if I had the eyes to see, like microwaves and everything else? Like what if I was given eyes to see? What if I prayed for eyes to see the way in which God is transforming you into the image of Christ one degree of glory at a time? What if I were to see the glory in you that's already present instead of the glory that's not yet present? What if I had those eyes to see? What difference would that make in the ways that we treated each other? Right? Um, God is at work in our lives. God is at work in your life whether I see it or not. But maybe, maybe I should pray this week that I would see the glory in you that's made possible because Jesus ascended and is present. I mean, here's one way, I think, I've, I've, I've thought for a long time, like, what could Jesus possibly mean? By that somehow we would do works greater than he did. Well, here's one thing. This week, we will be able, we will have the capacity because Jesus ascended and sits at the right hand of the Father. We have the capacity to do in Johnson City what Jesus couldn't do. And that would be, say there's 75 of you. We, we could be the intersection of heaven and earth in 75 different places at once in Johnson City this week. Even Jesus couldn't do that. Right? Even Jesus couldn't do that. But Jesus makes it possible for us to do that by living within us through the Spirit and allowing that intersection of God's realm and this created realm to be made manifest, to be 
made visible. May we have eyes to see that this week. May we pray that we can offer each other the grace to see the glory that's being manifest in each one of us by the grace of God. Let's pray. God of grace and mercy, it's so easy for us to read these ancient creeds and to think that they just somehow narrate or detail things that happened in the past that seem so distant, that seem to have nothing to do with us. And yet, we're reminded through your word that you are active in our lives, that you call us to make space for you in our lives, that you might transform us from one degree of glory to another, transforming us into the very likeness, the very image of Christ. Give us the eyes this week to see the glory in one another. Uh, protect us uh, from the temptation to focus on our weaknesses, uh, the weaknesses of those around us. Um, help us to see where you are at work. And may we take glory in that. We give you thanks for the spirit that is alive in our lives, in our lives individually and collectively. And pray that somehow this week, by your working through us, the world might see the intersection of your realm and this earthly realm in, in a powerful way. We pray this through the one who ascended into heaven and sits right now at your right hand, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. <clears throat>